Hi, this is Katie. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. This episode is brought to you in part by Care-of. Care-of is a new kind of vitamin company. They are making healthy living easier with vitamin packs personalized and tailored to exactly your needs. Being healthier is likely at the top of your to-do list this 2018. And you want to feel your best, and Care-of is there to help you. Their vitamins and supplements can help you feel energized, stay focused as you tackle all of your intentions for the year. I love them, I use them, and they really help to make sure your body's getting all the nutrients it needs to keep doing all the activities that you love doing, because vitamins can fill the important gaps that your body might be missing from your diet and give you the extra boost where you need it. All you do is you go to Care-of's website, you take a free, fun, brief online quiz that asks you questions about your diet, your lifestyle, your poop, your sleep, and the answers to these questions help to curate a personalized vitamin pack just for you in minutes with these recommendations that come from clinical research, traditional medicine, and input from doctors and nutritionists. I love them. The subscription box is personalized. It's very cute great packaging, and they're great. I love them, you guys. If you want to check them out, go to TakeCareOf.com and enter the code Katie at checkout for 50% off your first order. That's TakeCareOf.com. Enter the code Katie, K-A-T-I-E, for 50% off your first order. Thank you so much, Careof, for sponsoring. That's, again, 50% off your first order or two weeks free in your first month. So check it out. Use the code Katie. Thank you, Carob. This week's episode is a great one. I've got Andrea Owen. I'm going to get right to it, but we've got one more sponsor before I talk to you guys some more. Splendid Spoon. I love Splendid Spoon. I'm probably going to go eat some right after we talk for a little bit. They are a meal delivery service that brings you soup. They are this wellness brand built on the idea that a few small changes make a big impact on your health and your life. I love their company. Their founder, Nicole, is genuinely one of my favorite people I've ever met. We just had tea last week. We're hanging out on Monday. She did the podcast a couple episodes ago. Listen to that episode. They deliver you soups that are home-cooked and they help you to you know, have extra time to do the things that you love in your life while not sacrificing wanting to eat home-cooked, really great plant-based meals. I love soup, especially this time of year. They have customizable plans that fit all of your dietary and lifestyle needs, and they can be shipped, this is the best part, anywhere in the USA. This is not just in New York. These soups can go everywhere, which is so great. Their flagship program is designed to help you reach your health goals and feel your best. It consists of five lower sugar breakfast smoothies and five nourishing lunch bowls, one soup cleanse day. The entire program is really, really great. What I love about this program, it's not a cleanse. It's just soups that you can eat anytime, any day that you want and supplement them into your lifestyle. I love them so much. I even sometimes write for their site and have contributed articles, which we'll link to. So if you want to try them out, you can get $20 off your first order. That's $20 off by going to splendid.to 
slash let it out 20. That's splendid.to slash let it out 20. When you guys help support the sponsors like Care of and Splendid Spoon, you support the podcast, and I'm really grateful for that. So thank you. Katie, Katie, let it out. Hello, welcome back. You are listening to Let It Out With Me. I'm your host, Katie Dalebout. And on this week's episode, I have Andrea Owen back on the podcast. She was a guest, I don't know, maybe two years ago. And I love her. She was in New York City with her son a couple months ago for her book launch. It was great to finally meet her in person. And I'm genuinely really happy with this conversation. We don't get into her story at all and how she got to where she is and you know this being her second book. Go back and listen to our first conversation with her if you're curious about any of that. But I, or you can listen to this one first. This conversation, I was surprised almost how much I got from it and I loved it. It was just really earnest and genuine. It was a really cold night in... January, where we talked about letting go of control, feeling our feelings instead of coping with them and stuffing them down and bottling them up like I tend to do. We talked about decision making. We talked about indecision specifically and bodies, body image, being a mom, being a parent. We talked about a lot of things, relationships, friendship. It was a, It's a good episode. I think you guys will really like it. That's really all that I have to say. Um, I am going to be going on a break with the podcast between seasons. If there's someone you really want to see me interview or you have any ideas for me, join the Facebook group. That's the best way to interact with other people who listen to the podcast and myself. I will be in LA the first weekend of March doing two events there. One is a swap cast with the Almost 30 podcast on the fourth Sunday and then I'm doing something on the third with Holisticism which is a great newsletter that I love that I will be doing an event with as well. So more info with specifics like time and date and location and all of that will be coming soon so join the Facebook group and join my email newsletter list. The email newsletter that I never really send out except I wish that I did more often and I will someday be doing it more often not anytime soon anyway like I said going on a break with the podcast starting on February 21st just for a couple weeks and then I'll come back better than ever new music new album cover new guests I'm really excited about it I really want to up level everything I'm doing and I would love your suggestions and help for how I can do that if you want to support the podcast support the sponsors leave a review tell a friend about the show. It really, really helps so much. Leave a review on iTunes. And also I want to tell you about something that my really good friend and friend of the podcast, past podcast guest, Jess Mernan has this really fantastic program. It's called 
know your endo and it the sign up for it ends February 4th. So this is really your last chance to learn about it. If you want to know more, go to katiedalebot.com slash your endo. That's Y-O-U-R-E-N-D-O. And here's the thing. This program is for anyone who has endometriosis and wants to know more about it. So send it to anyone who struggles with painful periods and you think could benefit from the information that just so beautifully put into this program and it's honestly beautiful the design of it how it's structured i'm so proud of her for creating this and you can get a discounted rate for the program if you join before february 4th so it will be 150 dollars or it's usually 199 dollars. so again that's katiedelbutt.com slash know your endo not an ad. I just love my friend and want to share this. So I hope you check out her program. If you have endometriosis or want to know more about it or know someone who does, please share it with them. Enjoy my conversation with Andrea Owen and I'll talk to you guys after the episode. Thank you so much for doing the podcast again and congrats on your book. Thank you. I know when you did the podcast the first time, we had such a great conversation. And then when you had me on your podcast, I felt like I don't know. It, even though we haven't met in person till today, I've always felt so connected to you, and I just feel like we really hit it off. In I think I told you then that I wanted to adopt you as my younger sister. Oh my god! <laughs> please, please, that would be that. That is my life goal. Like I will, I want to be in your family. <laughs> we'll put it on our vision boards. Yes. So I want, when your next book, this book that is out, your new book was coming out, I was so excited to read it and support you and have you on the podcast. Thank so you. Congratulations. Thank you. It is exciting. How do you feel about it being out in the world? It's interesting. It's it's like one of those things where for anyone that's written a book or any kind of like big creative endeavor, I, I feel like that part is kind of the easy part. Like if you are a writer or a creator of any kind, but it's yeah. like when it goes out into the world like the last couple of days, because you know, as we're recording this, it's been a couple of days where I know it's like arriving in people's mailboxes and yeah. people are consuming it. That it's like this feeling like in the pit of my stomach that is it's weird and it's hard to explain. It's definitely like having a baby and like here's my heart and I'm gonna hand it to you and tell me what you think. Yeah. So it's 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 um it's challenging. It's I feel like it's challenging. I hope I'm not the only artist that feels that way. Yeah. <laughs> well I, I felt something and this is interesting because I'm catching you in this moment of your your book tour and what you mm-hmm. were saying before we officially started recording about not you don't love this part you don't love the spotlight yeah. part you like the creating part more and it's funny because and I would love your coaching opinion on this mm-hmm. I feel the opposite I really like the marketing and the I call it like the decorating like yeah. I like putting stuff out there and I like I remember what the day before my book came out because. First of all, it was a first book. I didn't know I was going to... I kind of won the lottery in a way because I won this book deal. Mm-hmm. And this book was going out in the world. And I remember the a couple of weeks before, my editor at Hay House sent me an email. And she said... It was like the last editor or whatever, you know, which you feel so good. Like the plane has landed. It's yeah. over. Like now you just have to wait for it to come out. And she said in this email, she was like, you're going to be a superstar on April 
2016. Like I knew that date and that got in my head. Yeah. And I was so excited for the date. And I remember going to bed the night before feeling like I'm going to wake up tomorrow and everything's going to change. My life is going to be perfect. And uh, there's going to be like, you be like, candy and rainbows. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then you want to know what happened on April 5th, 2016? <laughs> Absolutely nothing. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. nothing happened. And it was the biggest letdown. And it was the biggest like learning experience for me to just be like, Oh, seeing your book in Barnes and Noble like doesn't change anything. Totally. Well, I've that's that was my experience the first time. It was they. There's a name for that. They call it like Kerplunk or something like that. Where like it's like the the letdown of yeah. thinking that it's going to be this. You're going to feel totally different. Like yeah. you know, kind of like when you turn wake up and you turn like ten or something. You know, and everyone's yeah. like, ooh, double digits, and you're like, I still feel the same. But with this one, I think here's why it was different because the first time I wrote the book it really sort of catapulted me into the spotlight. And I had some success, but the book really did kind of, not like an explosion, not like Brene Brown TED Talk 2010 style, but like it it definitely leveled up. Mm-hmm. And I hid out for like four months afterwards. Part of it was because it was a lot of work. And the other part was just that it really asked a lot of me yeah. emotionally, mentally, spiritually, and so this time around, I knew it was coming. Mm. It was like when a train's coming and you can like feel the vibration. Like I could feel that vibration coming of like this. And then, you know, I have lots of really amazing, you know, woo woo coach friends and therapist friends. And a few, a handful of them that are really intuitive said, I have a feeling about this one, Andrea. This mm. is going to be a really big deal. And it's both exciting and terrifying at the same time. Yeah. It's like, you know, what does that mean for me? So it, it just, it's a leveling up. And I hit a lot of upper limit stuff, yeah. you know, of... I, and like, as I was saying before we started recording, like, that's why I became a writer because I want to, I have a lot to say and a lot of wisdom from, you know, what we talked about on the first time I was on your podcast, some really hard times in my life and I want to get it out in the world, Yeah, but I don't want, I don't want anybody to critique it. (laughs) So it's like, here's my book. Shh. (laughs) Yeah. Just read it and smile. I worked so hard on this. Yeah. Yeah. Please don't grade it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, that's the beautiful thing I think about this conversation, speaking of a leveling up, that in that first conversation we talked about your history and your story and who you are. And so if people haven't heard that, I'll link to that in this one. But now we can just kind of go jump right in and we don't have to get into any of that. So let's start there. What is different than other than writing the second book? What are the biggest things that have changed with you since that first conversation we had which was almost two years ago now I think was it I think it was 2016 okay um I'm trying to think you know 2014 is when I went through my big sort of metamorphosis and I did a lot of work around shame I probably talked about that in the last episode because I was I got certified in Mm -hmm. Brene Brown's work yeah and that really you know flipped me upside down And then um, I think just really that hyper-awareness of paying attention to my own stuff and catching it really quickly, which is a lot of the premise of this book, too, so that I can be more in alignment with who I want to be. Yeah. And that's just terrifying sometimes, Katie. You know, it's like, it's easy to hide. It's easy to take, right, to numb out and, and take the road that I know, and that is playing small Mm -hmm. you know it's like I don't want to have a book tour I don't want to even really write the book you know just like let me just do my little online classes and you know (laughs) so it's 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 paying attention to 
what I really was meant to do. And that is scary. Yeah. I think it is for everyone. I think everyone has that voice of telling them like, but that over there, that's your fire. That's where you're the most on fire. How do you go into that? Oh, lots of support. Drink lots of water. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, I, that's the very first thing that came to my mind is, is having a lot of support. It's having the people, the women in my life who, who I feel brave enough to say, here's what's going on. Mm. You know, and as I'm like clutching my stomach yeah. and they are compassionate, but at the same time really hold me to a higher standard. Yeah. That's funny you said that. I don't know if you remember this, and I actually forgot until right now, but one of the biggest things we talked about in our last podcast was female friendships and mm-hmm. the importance of Yeah, we did. And mm-hmm. how to make friends, because you have a podcast episode about that. Yeah. That was really helpful to me, so I, I talked about that, and, and that has been really helpful for me. I think especially moving, that was something that when I first got here, I was feeling like I had a lot of acquaintances, mm-hmm. but I didn't really have any friends. And it just, it took some time to have that comfortability, but it's so crucial. Yeah. And I think that it's easy to do, especially like here and for anyone that lives in a, in a big city or even someone that's in college or still in that place, even things like the junior league or something like where you have a lot of women around you. Mm-hmm. But like, do you have that person who I call it your compassionate witness, you know, the person that can really bear the weight of your stuff and that your relationship can bear that weight. And a lot of us don't, I mean, whether it's like a crisis that we're going through or a leveling up, you know, it's like some, sometimes you might think like if you're, say you really want to go out for your, this promotion or something or ask for a raise. And we might think to ourselves, like, I don't want to tell my, my girlfriends about this because they're going to think that I don't deserve it or, you know, tell me I shouldn't do it or make them uncomfortable when we talk about how much money we make or things like that. So we don't say anything. So that's the type of friendships I'm talking about. Like the ones who will celebrate with you. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. And then I think I heard you say this before on another podcast or something, how you really feel like your purpose is to help people feel less alone. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I love so much and want to try to do with my work too. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, that's that's all we want as people as women is to mm-hmm. not feel alone totally like we it's so easy to go into that compare and despair and make up stories even if you're not comparing making up stories about how your life should be and and as well as how other people's lives actually are yeah when i would say probably more than half the time our stories are totally made up and they're total bullshit yeah i think that um it was interesting to me when i first started Oh my gosh. So I started my first blog. My first blog post was, I looked it up, June 2018. So I'm coming up on 10 years. And I remember... June 2008. 2008. Yeah. So I'm coming up on 10 years. And um, I just started writing my story, not thinking that anybody would read it. It was more therapeutic for journaling. I was like, oh, this blogspot thing is cool. (laughs) And people started reading it. And at first I was scared, but then I was like, oh, they're really resonating just with the fact that I'm telling my story, even if we don't have the same circumstances. So it was that whole element of not feeling like you're the only one. I mean, it's really as simple as that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's social media at its best, you know, Mm -hmm. that's all this online stuff at its best. And, and that's why, that's what you do so well and that's what this book I have copious notes that's why I'm not making eye contact with you right now um, I figured you weren't like scrolling through your Facebook news feed no I'm not texting <laughs> I'm, I'm looking 
yeah, my copious <laughs> notes on you. But that's what this book is so great at is you identify these 14 habits that you saw in yourself mm-hmm. and in your clients. And the books, the book is called How to Stop Feeling Like Shit, which great title. Thank you. Um, and yeah, it, it's, it's so great because so, and I really want to get into these and, and I wrote down the ones that I related to most, mm-hmm. which are comparing, which you already talked mm-hmm. about feeling like a fraud, which I do all the time uh-huh. and bracing for catastrophe, which I really want to talk about numbing and people pleasing. And then of course control. Which yeah. Was, it's, I was like, check, check, totally check, easy check, topics. Check. Yeah. <laughs> and I think the one maybe we should start with, which uh-huh. we talked a lot about in the first podcast episode too, but I, it's still such a big issue for me and you know, it's like you learn a lesson and you have to learn it again. And it's just these like lessons and tests from the universe that this is the biggest one for me. It's like I take five steps forward and then three back with this all the time, which is feeling Mm -hmm. instead. And I, I choose to cope and I choose to numb instead of actually feeling my feelings. Yeah. And I, I, and I remember I asked you the exact same question because these, these podcast episodes for me are always such a they're so indicative of like where I am in the moment mm-hmm. and it's kind of embarrassing that two years ago I was in the same spot, <laughs> but it's just this lesson that I, like, are you at a place where you're just like, you are having an emotion and you feel it fully or do you still cope and numb in some ways? And I know it's in the book, but can we get into mm-hmm. that and how you remind yeah. yourself to That's a great question. feel your feelings? Yeah. And That's well, let me back up for a second because, and I wrote about this in the introduction. So, this book, I didn't want this book to be because sometimes self help can be a little, sometimes self help books can make us feel like we're doing life wrong. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want this to be another one of those books. I didn't want this to be like, okay, Katie, here's the 14 ways you're you're doing it wrong. Go out and fix it. Read this book and all your, you know, all your problems will be solved. This is a book of here's the 14 things that we're all doing, you know, mostly as women. And Let's be so aware of it that when we are doing them, we recognize it within minutes so that we can choose a different behavior that makes us feel better about ourselves. Mm -hmm. So it's not about stopping it before it starts. It's about recognizing it when it starts so that you can get out in front of it. Got it. So, yeah, I mean, I still numb. My my numbing mechanism just look look different than they used to. I I talk extensively on my own podcast and in my work. You know, I was a severe codependent when I was in my 20s. I was obsessed with changing everyone else's life because I didn't want to look at the stuff in my own life. That's just like one of the symptoms, um, which was basically control. I was in and out of my eating disorder in my twenties. It was depending on how much my life was in crisis, (laughs) you know, like the grandfather clock swinging back and forth. And then also I was a love addict. And when I was about 31, I got help from all of that. And it was a serendipitous thing with an ex-boyfriend going to rehab and, Um, I learned a lot from going to visit him in rehab and then I got a lot of help for those things and was doing a lot better. And then that's when my drinking picked up. So as whether you're an addict or whether you're somebody on that spectrum of someone who just likes to numb or has like poor relationships with alcohol or food or whatever, we tend to trade in whatever (laughs) numbing mechanism we want. Social media. Exactly. So for me now it's work and planning. You know, I can sit down and look at my editorial calendar for work and plan out, you know, podcast episodes for the next three years. And that makes me blissfully happy. It makes me feel like, um, it planning makes me feel productive and in control Mm -hmm. and in charge. 
and it let, allows me to just you know kind of shove things down. So my dad died in late 2016, and I during that couple of weeks when I was back home in San Diego with my siblings and my stepmother. I completely overfunctioned. You know, I was like planning the yeah. funeral, spent all day making the photo montage, and knew I was doing it though. I was I was aware that I was doing it. Even my stepmom, we were in the car and I was driving, she turned to me and said, You're doing awfully well, or something like that. And I said, I'm really good in a crisis, and the time is coming. <laughs> <It's> been, <laughs> I just chose not to do it while I was there. Yeah. I, ch- I did it when I got home. And I think to answer your question, I'm taking the long way, but it's, it's really like, it's a win to know what yours are. And I call it like getting a case of the fuck it. It's like, sometimes we all do that Mm -hmm. and just keep getting back on the horse. Like what's that old Chinese proverb, fall down seven times, get up eight, just like keep getting up. I mean, if you need help with an addiction, obviously get help for your addiction. But I just think there's so much of a win and so much... Um, power in knowing when you're in it within a pretty short amount of time. Does that make sense? It does. What do you suggest about displacing feeling or or putting off feeling? Because sometimes, you know, this is a kind of interesting example, but something happened to a friend of mine on the subway Mm -hmm. and it's, it's terrible. She got like hit in the face on the subway and she, she was like, that was weird. I'm okay, but I'm not going to feel my emotions around this. I'm just going to like shove this down. Cause I can't like yeah. sit and process right now in front of everyone. I'm going to do my day and then later. But sure. I feel like I'm doing that on a smaller scale all day long. Like yeah. I get a weird text or whatever. And I'm like, I got to get my stuff done. I can't deal with that right yeah. now. So I'm just constantly stuffing things down mm-hmm. and then do you, do you suggest like carving out the time to feel? And mm-hmm. as a perfectionistic person, when it comes to feeling my feelings, I'm, I'm always like, am I feeling it enough? Am I feeling Over it right? Do I need yeah. to like light a candle and listen to three songs? Like, how do I know I felt it enough? It's like praying the rosary. Yeah. Like, what do I, like, have I felt? Am I feeling? I don't know. Unclear. Yeah. It's, and that's such, I've had this conversation with so many people in my audience too. It's, it's, there's a term for that. It's called over identification. Okay. And it's like, it's when you're trying to label your personal development. It's like, like you were saying, like, am I, is that this, is that that? I, I say it a lot, like stop overthinking it. Mm-hmm. And I think even, you know, what you preach a lot, journaling, like get it out that way, let it out that way. And then also what happens a lot too, is that when you sit down to tell someone, so I'm sure your friend if she sat down and not just like in passing or over text, like in person with someone that she trusts and loves and told the story about what happened, she very well could break down and start crying. Mm -hmm. And it might not make sense to her, you know, because she's like, this happened a week ago and it really wasn't that bad. But just sometimes even being vulnerable and sharing a vulnerable story sometimes allows us to emote that way. And I think too, you know, second part of that answer to that question is that we get so used to shoving down our emotions because we are afraid of what might happen if we let them out. Mm-hmm. And that's what a question that I ask people is like, what are you afraid might happen? Many of us have gotten so used to shoving it down that we unconsciously think to ourselves and maybe even consciously think to ourselves, if I open up this Pandora's box, I don't know if I'm ever going to stop crying. Yeah. I have a black hole one of my, one, a woman in my class wrote this in a forum and I wrote about it in the book and she said, I have a black hole of hurt that is so deep. I don't want to look at it. And I, I'm certain that nobody else wants to look at it either. So I think that 
it is a matter of, I'm a big fan of like control. I call it controlled emoting where like you said, you know, you put on some Adele, you get out your journal and some tissues and you get it out, you know, whatever you need to do to get it out. And, um, it's, and again, I think it's a slow process too. It's not just like you're going to start doing it and it's going to be great and, and all of that stuff. It, it might be kind of like letting air out of a balloon really slowly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it's, it's a muscle that needs to be practiced. Because it's hard to do it on demand. Like what you're saying, I was like, oh, that sounds nice. But I'm like, I'm somehow never in the mood to do that. I'm no. like, I'd rather just watch a show or I'd rather just sleep or I'd rather mm-hmm. just do whatever to yeah. not go there. Yeah, but our, our body keeps track of that, yeah. you know, and, and in the work I do, we call it, we call it um, stockpiling, and that's when you will end up having increased anxiety and insomnia, and for some people, they get sick. Um, for some people, it comes out in other ways, like it'll, you find yourself lashing out at people at work, yeah. or your children, or your friends, or road rage, um, that's, it'll event, it'll eventually come out. Yeah. Yeah, you got to let it out. You got to let it out, Katie. <laughs> Another way that I have in the past and still do oftentimes cope is turning to self-help for mm-hmm. entertainment and not really fulfillment or just taking in knowledge. And I know you've talked about this. Love this topic. Yeah, and <laughs> it's... It's, it can be an addiction on its own. So how do you how do you advise your clients who want to keep listening to this podcast and another podcast and yeah. audiobooks and they can't, you know, go to All the stuff. fold laundry without yeah. taking in content? Oh, I know people like that. You know, they can't even be at the grocery store without a podcast in their earbuds. Maybe that's somebody listening to this right now. Yeah. Here's the thing. I call that... Turn us off. <laughs> Finish oh, this I, and then listen to this yeah, advice. Yeah, try some actual quiet. I ask people, are you half-assing your personal development? And I, I did a podcast episode on that. And so many, I got so much feedback where people said, I'm guilty of that. So what that looks like is kind of what you described. It's consuming and like hoarding personal development tools. So it's you, so comforting. It is. It makes you feel like you're doing something. Yeah. It's like for people who want to lose weight when they push the buy now button for Weight Watchers and then they never do it. Yeah. It's like, that's not the work. That right. is not the work. Signing up for online classes... Um, listening to podcasts, reading the books. It's not the work. The actual work is doing the stuff, like doing the journaling, filling out the worksheets, sharing with someone, doing what your teacher actually says. It's not to say that every single exercise is going to resonate with you. This is even if you go to a therapist. Mm -hmm. Like how often have people been to therapists where the therapist is like, I think this book would really help you and there's also a workbook involved. And you're like, okay, yeah. Or or you just read it and consume it and then do nothing. So, and that's why I love coaching because there's actual exercises involved. I've had a, I, I actually like it when people have been through therapy and then come to see me because they've handled their family of origin stuff. But I think the therapist model is broken, which is for another episode. But like you've had the jackpot if you have found a therapist that actually gives you exercises mm-hmm. in between sessions because the real work happens then, not when you're sitting on the couch for 45 yeah. minutes. That's when it actually, your stuff that's just really when the real work happens is, and I advise people with that all the time. Like my clients, I'll tell them, I'm like, you need a break from personal development. No more podcasts. They think that there's that one answer out there that's going to be the solution, capital T, capital S, that's going to fix them. Yeah. And it's just going to be magic and they don't have to do any work. It's not out there. Yeah. And not Mm -hmm. they, I'm talking I. Yeah. (laughs) This is definitely something that I do and still do. 
And it's so alluring, right? To not have to do anything yourself. Somebody else is going to do it for us. Yeah. Yeah. No one's going to do it for us. We have to do it ourselves, unfortunately. Unfortunately. Well, and I want to, I want to circle back to something that you said earlier yeah. that was so important. And you were talking about how you're like, I'm kind of embarrassed because I asked the same question two years ago. Mm-hmm. That's what it happens. I think that's what, like, that's why people like me is because I talk about stuff that I'm going through currently. And because it, it never ends. It never ends. It's the same stuff over and over again. It's just on a different level. Yeah. That's, I just wanted to say that because I think people know that there's no quote-unquote arrival, but I think it can't help, you know, it doesn't hurt to hear it again. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that's, and I think you agree, like, I think that's why we're here. Like, I think we come here to learn these lessons and be tested by the universe, whatever, whatever, and then if we don't learn them, we have to, there's going to be something else that comes into our path right. and we have to keep learning it until we do again yeah. and again and again. And then it's like the next test or the next lesson again and again. Um, Okay, another thing that I'm curious about when it comes to all of this, and I we could keep talking for ten hours about your book because all fourteen of these habits are so relatable. But where does spirituality fit into all this? And this is something that when I get to my questions, I'd ask everyone, which I want to ask you again because they're different. With spirituality and God and what do you think happens when we die, how does that all fit into personal growth and specifically the topics in your book? I think that the first thing that came to my mind when you said that was listening to your intuition. And that is one of those like esoteric things that I think a lot of people still don't understand because a lot of my community, and I think yours as well, they are they are living a lot of their life like in their masculine, you know, and they're go-getters, they're high achievers, they um they're driven women and we have come so far away from that, from, you know, getting into our bodies and just being really disconnected from source or God or, or whatever you want to call it. And I think that when you work on the, cause anytime you're in these behaviors from the book, the perfectionism, the people pleasing, it's all external. It's all like worrying what everybody else is going to think of us. Yeah. And when we have spirituality in our lives, which can look like so many different things to people, but I'll just, you know, very quickly define. It's like when we have moments of silence and quiet and mm-hmm. really listen to that inner voice inside of us that is guiding us. I, I'm a thousand percent positive that everybody has that some kind of angel or guide or something we are much more likely to be in tune to our highest self. And that is about what our values are, which, you know, kind of, I'm jumping topics here, like leapfrogging, but that's why I wrote a whole chapter about values because I think it's like one of the most underused (laughs) personal development tools that is out there. It's foundational. Like you can't live your best life without honoring them. And so many of us either have never done values work before, or we can tell you our values, but we don't actually know what they look like on a day-to-day basis. I call that, that's like naming a child and calling it parenting. It's not the same thing. I I care less about what your values actually are named and more about what they look like on a day-to-day basis when shit hits the fan in your life and you are met with like two paths. Am I going to actually say something about the sexual harassment that just happened at work or am I not going to because it's the easy way and I don't want to rock the boat and it's just what I'm used to. So that's, you know, day-to-day stuff when, when life is hard, you know, when you write a second book and your intuition is telling you to like go out there to the world, are you going to not do it because you're scared or are you actually going to listen? 
person. And so it's those type of things. I know I kind of veered off there yeah. for a minute, but that's kind of, that's what my intuition was telling me to say. Yeah. <laughs> I want to get to the questions that I ask everyone, but one thing that I don't want to make sure we don't gloss over is your thoughts on compare and despair. Mm-hmm. And I'd love it if you could connect that specifically to social media. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Where do I even begin with this? I think, um, I kind of like half joke in the book that comparing is like what is like the thing to do on social media. Like we are more connected than ever, but we are less connected than ever, I think sadly. And I think that it's about being really intentional about who you follow really. Like let's just, I, I know it's like the simplest answer, but I think that it's like back to basics. I, I, I said in the book that I went on like an unfollowing frenzy last year. Yeah. I still follow you, of course. <laughs> but I had gone through this phase where I was like, I'm going to follow all these fitness people. Um, you know, it's like a lot of them who had like 30 second workout videos. Yeah. And I like thought that I was going to like do these workout videos. I don't know. But then I found myself scrolling through my feed and feeling inadequate. just about my entire self. So it's just, it's a simple trigger is what it is. So I think that it's, I think that, you know, Instagram and and Facebook are probably the biggest culprits of this. So I love how Facebook has like a, you can unfollow someone for 30 days. Mm. You know, the people that trigger you, they might be your friends. I have friends on Facebook that I unfollow because they're doing something amazing that I wish I could do. And I congratulate them and tell them I'm happy for it. And it's like more of an acquaintance, I think. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, I'm going to unfollow you for a minute because I'm feeling like shit about myself. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be back. You know, and they yeah. don't ever know. It doesn't yeah. matter at all. It's, it's about me, not about them. Right. And I think if we just did simple things like that more often, we would feel better about ourselves. It's and it's about me. catching it too. Yeah. And making our lives easier. Like, that just makes us... It doesn't make you a bad person that you're triggered by this stuff because... It just means you're human. Yeah. And I, I've been saying this a lot when it comes to social media. You know, 20 years ago, we just didn't know what everyone else was having for breakfast. Yeah. Like, we just didn't know all of these things. We know so much more about people now than mm-hmm. we did, you know, five years ago. Even, yeah. Because everyone's sharing everything, and it's so immediate, and... We don't even know the long-term effects that this is going to have on us, but they can't be good. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that I just want to, again, reiterate that for people that like, I want the win to be that they know that it's happening quickly instead of like going down that rabbit hole for days and days and like making up stories of your own inadequacy based on like one Instagram picture that you saw of somebody. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So here are some questions that I've been asking everyone. I'm really excited for your opinions on and okay. your thoughts. Okay. So just kind of say the first couple things that come okay. to mind. Okay. Uh, okay. So greatest lesson on romantic relationships. Just one? As many as you want. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> first I, couple that come to mind. I think definitely, gosh, am I going to sound really cliche if I'm just mm-hmm. saying like, you know, listen to your gut, listen to your no. gut from the beginning. And I think that Harv Hendricks's book, Getting the Love You Want, has changed my life in terms of romantic relationships. So if you haven't read it, I know we're talking about it. I have it on Audible, and I haven't read it. Oh my gosh, he's a genius. And um, making you understand why you are the way you are in relationships and why you keep picking the same people over and over again, life changer. And his book has like a workbook in it. Do the work! (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Anything else other than his book that you would say? Um... 
I think don't be afraid to be alone. Mm. Like Again, that's one of my biggest regrets. I was so terrified to... I was at a place in my life years ago where I would have rather been in a bad relationship than no relationship. I was so afraid to be with myself and didn't know myself and was afraid to grow up, essentially, that I made choices that I would not make today. And um, yeah, don't be afraid to be alone. You'll, you'll be just fine. Greatest lesson on family. Oh my gosh, that they um, they don't have to be your people. That they don't have to be family. All right. It's interesting. Somebody was saying to me a few weeks ago, you're so brave for you know telling your story on your podcast and like publicly on your blog. And I, I said to myself, that's not brave to me. That's easy. What's brave to me is having to have hard conversations with my family, mm-hmm. like with my mom and my siblings. And yeah. that's the hard part. I think that some of the hardest things that we will do in our life is try to mend the relationships we have with, the pe- with our family. Yeah. Those are some tough conversations. Yeah. And remaining unattached to the outcome. Yeah. Whew. <laughs> I wish everybody could see your face, Katie. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I mean, that's like everything, putting out my, everything I write that's intimate, everything I say on the podcast, like I feel no worry about that at yeah. all. It's if people that I know and I'm close to listen to You're it. Like that's private one-on-one conversations. Yeah. yeah about your hurts and having to set boundaries with those people. Yeah. That's, that's some of the hardest work I've ever done. And some, to be honest with you, some work that's incomplete, you know, yeah. that I haven't done because yeah. it's, I'm, I'm working up to it and yeah. I will get there, but it's tough. Cause that's when we're most seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The people that have known you since birth. Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. Or the people that you're closest to now yeah. that you've let really see you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because mm-hmm. that well, you've mentioned upper limit problem a couple of times. Could yeah. you define that for people? Because it really is being seen. Yes. Yeah, it is. And so, um, Gay Hendricks, yeah, yeah, different, not related to Harv Hendricks, yeah. and different spelling too. He coined the term, and it's what his theory is: is that everyone has like a set limit of how much happiness, success they can they can have in their life. And when we are met with the opportunity to go above and beyond that we will self-sabotage in order to stay where we are. And um, that's, yeah, basically in a nutshell what it is. And it is. It's like pushing past those limits. You know, a lot of us, and I think a lot of people probably listen to your podcast, have heard that voice of you shouldn't do that, you know, the inner critic, which I talk about a lot. We've been able to bypass that. But then when we bypass it, then the voice becomes, who do you think you are? Some people actually say that to us. So... You know, if someone else isn't saying it to us, we're saying it to ourselves. So it's about reckoning with that voice. Yeah. That's upper limit stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I read that book, The Big Leap, yeah. years ago. And much like what we were talking about earlier, it it's like sometimes you hear it and sometimes it like goes right in. Yeah. And that's one of the times where I feel like it's the awareness of knowing that you're on that spiral and mm-hmm. you're doing that which is really hard like that's the challenging part just yeah just realizing it's even happening yeah oh yeah but that's the, again the biggest win yeah okay what about control greatest lesson on control releasing control I think that's where I to be honest right now struggle so much is yeah. trying to control everything I see it with so many old behaviors act up like old eating disorder behaviors back act up for me old behaviors coming to it's just like one thing goes down and then I'll apply it to work or I'll apply it to relationship or I'll apply it to you know my weekend plans Mm -hmm. or 
it'll just, I'll obsess about things that I'm trying to control and I know that it's me not being present, Mm -hmm. but it's just so much cozier to do that. I know. I think it was Angela's Arian. She's, she's since passed away, but she was, um, she said that, that people have these four addictions and one of them was the addiction to control and like needing to know. Mm-hmm. And that was the one I still struggle with a lot. I got surrender tattooed on the inside of my oh, arm in my own handwriting to remind myself of it. And, you know, I, I believe that the opposite of control is surrender and defining what that means for each person on a kind of fundamental level. It is knowing that you are taken care of no matter what happens and I think that that is the that is the fear that everybody has who really struggles with control is yeah. that I'm not going to be okay if I don't have this you know certain amount of money in my savings account or if I'm not you know if my boyfriend doesn't get his act together and get a better job or if you know the list goes on and on and on of what we can try to control but I think that the, again the biggest lesson for me has been knowing that I'm divinely taken care of no matter what. And that even if there is a quote unquote failure, we need a different word for failure is my, is my opinion, but it's always a learning lesson and I still have a lot to learn. So there is going to be a lot of failures or detours, detours. Yeah. That's a better word, (laughs) but there's always going to be a lesson in, you know, when things don't go my way and it's, yeah, of course it's frustrating, but, um, my life is so much more peaceful when I surrender and it's not about, it's not about like just like shrugging your shoulders and being like, oh, well, you know, like, of course there's some things to get mad about. Um, I'm pissed that I got, you know, charged for a lift today. When, <laughs> you know, I can't control that. And I, you know, but, but you're allowed to be irritated and frustrated, but it's like when you take it to, when it's negatively affecting your life, I think is what I'm trying to say, yeah. then it's something to look at. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. I want releasing control surrender to feel good Mm -hmm. and right now I think I'm still in a place where it feels better right now or maybe this is my mind to control to have everything in my control and it manifests a lot for me in decision making okay I really struggle with decision making as if there was always a right decision and a lot of times there's there's not a right decision like I can't make there's just Picking where to go to dinner. Just pick. Yeah. yeah. It's not like going to be this monumentous thing, but I make things such a big deal sometimes that aren't a big deal where it's like the big things in life. I'm able to make a decision like that. I know I'm like connected to my intuition. That's I just know what's right. Yeah. But it's the little things, the like day to day things that I just obsess over. One of my very first coaches used to ask me probably in every session because I would do the same thing. She's like, Andrea, what if it just wasn't a big deal? Yeah. And that question has stayed with me. And I ask myself that all the time. Like, what if it just wasn't a big deal? And I think, I, I love that you said that. It's like these little decisions. And, and you know what? I love it when people ask me. They're like, I can't tell if this is my intuition or if it's fear. And just going around and around. And they're trying to ask me, like, do you think it's my intuition? Do you think it's... And I'm like, I don't know. Just pick. Yeah. <laughs> and then you'll find out on the other yeah. end. And you will have learned something from it. Yeah. Again, it's it's that overthinking that we fall into. And we just, like, want to know. We want to yeah. make sure that we're making the right decision. Just pick. Something that was super comforting and also really frustrating to me is that something our mutual friend, who I know you know well, Isabel Fox and Duke, mm-hmm. said to me once when she was coaching me, which was that, you know, control and surrender 
is behind, that's what's behind spirituality. Like that's yeah. why spirituality exists. That's why every religion exists is to handle the fact that we aren't in control and it's yeah. really scary and terrible. And we don't really know anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's just so hard. I think for my mind and all humans minds to grasp that we can't control things. So I don't know. I mean, I guess I was going to say, how do you constantly remind yourself that? And I guess you have it freaking like Tattoo on, on my your arm, arm. <laughs> but I don't know. I guess I just, I want surrender to feel good and I want it to be my default, but right now control is still my default. Yeah. No, I know. And I'll give you a quick example. So I got, we had planned out this book tour and there were five cities that I was visiting and we couldn't find a venue for Washington, D.C., And so I let it go and I was like, I don't, it's just way too hard. And I was, there was already so many moving parts. It really felt okay to let it go. Mm -hmm. And then I heard back from somebody that I did not expect to hear back from and we got a spot and I sat there at my computer and I was like, I kind of, I had already made the decision to let it go. So I was kind of, I kind of don't want to anymore. And then I sat there for like, I agonized for like an hour, you know, do I, is this my upper limit stuff or am I just going to, and then I was like, you know, messaging a couple of my friends for counsel on it. And then I was like, you know what, Andrea, just, just decide, just say yes. So I just, I said yes. And, um, I have no idea if I'm going to, it's my last stop. So I don't know. I might regret it and be totally burnt out and like two people show up, but it might be the best one. I just don't know. And so I think that the win in that is I shortened the agonizing time. Like I could have agonized for like three days and asked all of my friends, Mm -hmm. put out like the, you know, like the SOS, should I do this or not? Yeah. And I just, again, was like, what if it just wasn't a big deal? Just yeah. decide. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's the, I think that's my biggest takeaway from this is the, what if it wasn't a big deal? Just Italian or Chinese. Like, yeah. just pick. Yeah. Just pick. <laughs> okay. Greatest lesson on motherhood. Oh my gosh. Patience. It's not my, it's not my strong suit. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> greatest lesson on self-care. Um... totally necessary you know I'm just I've been talking to a couple of my colleagues about burnout you know I'm like what does that yeah. actually look like because I think I might have been like running my business like for the last year on burnout. yeah me too we're running on fumes yeah no I found out it's it's not as bad as I thought it thought it would be according to like some of the symptoms which sound really scary but I think that um oh gosh that you have to build it in you know it's just like working out which I'm actually pretty good at, you know, I'll, I'll like block out days in my calendar where it's just like absolutely nothing. And mm-hmm. it's just, it's completely necessary and not an indulgence. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I love that. Greatest lesson on creativity. <gasps> oh God. I think to make time for it and it doesn't always have to be for everybody else. Like it doesn't have to be public. Mm-hmm. I think that can happen to people who are writers and artists and, um, who are used to like blogging or, mm-hmm. you know, putting their art out into the world. And, and then, then it starts to become a J-O-B. Yeah. Um, my friend Jamie Jensen, who lives out here, she's a, a screenwriter. And she was telling me, she's like, that is self-care for writers, is writing for yourself. Mm-hmm. So I've been writing a lot of poetry. Cool. And, you know, it's like no one's seen it. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. I don't know if they ever will, but it's for me. Yeah. That's like my book, you know, with mm-hmm. journaling. It's the same thing. It's yeah. like, it's, it's. It's not journaling if you're writing a blog post. It's great and like good for you, but mm-hmm. that's not that's the same, same thing. thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 
Okay, what about writing practices out when you are trying to when you work when you're working on your book, you know, what was the process of writing this like and do you have any tips mm-hmm. for people working on a book or writing? I think it looks different for everybody, but it's it, it's interesting to me how people are so curious about this because I never wondered about that for mm. people. Like I just I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm so hyper organized and focused. So what I did, my first one, I just started writing and I, it, I didn't have like a rhyme or reason. And then I started to get organized and I used Google docs for that, which I would not recommend. So I use, as far as like software, I use, um, Scrivener. Mm-hmm. Love it. Absolutely. Um, it was like 40 bucks or something like that. And, um, I like that the best. And what I do is that because it was traditionally published, I have a deadline, which is another conversation because that's kind of a bummer sometimes. It's all fun and games until you sign a contract and have a deadline. Yeah. <laughs> so I work backwards. So it's like if I knew my manuscript was due on December 31st, I knew exactly how many words I needed to write. So I just broke it down into weeks. I knew I needed to write 2,500 words a week. And I broke that down into, um, okay, I'm going to write three times this week. So what does that look like? And of course it ebbed and flowed a little bit, but I was always mostly on track and that way, because I was really, I was never that person staying up until three in the morning the night before to write an essay. Yeah. I was not that person. And if that works for you, then that's great. Some people do their best work then. Yeah. I do not. So yeah, I like to stretch I think it out. Jen Centurio talks about how that's how she's written. Yeah. She'll bust books. it out like yeah. in a few weeks. Yeah. She also has a very different life than I do. Right. She's not going to PTA meetings and swimming lessons and Girl Scouts. Yeah. Yeah. I always say you get more done when you're busy. Like when you have more to get done, you get more done. Mm -hmm. You just, you make it happen. Yeah, exactly. And motherhood's like the perfect example of that. Yeah. Okay. Greatest lesson on body image, dieting, food. Where are you with that now? That's really, that's a good question. I, I pulled back a lot from talking about body image because I felt like it was in this space where I wasn't sure how I felt about it all with mine. So I didn't feel comfortable like doling out advice. Um, I'm at a place where now I've gained, I don't weigh myself anymore, but I've probably gained a good 10 pounds. I'm, I'm a full size up from pants. So like literally had to go out and buy new pants. Like my, my other ones, my husband calls it, you're asking a lot of those pants. I was asking a lot of my, my jeans. Um, and I even, I talked about it on my podcast. I had to go out and buy new underwear. That was, that was kind of like, Oh, I was mad. I thought something was wrong with my underwear. I'm like, why are, why do they keep falling down? They were like writing down. It's like, um, because you're trying to put a big piece of flesh into a small piece of fabric. It's not the same anymore. So I had to go out and buy new underwear that fit. And then I was like, Oh, these are comfortable. But, um, you know, it's it's interesting. I had a moment where I got out of the shower. This was like maybe a month or two ago. And I caught a, gl- a glance of myself in the mirror. And I was like, oh, my God. There's my mom. <laughs> I was like, that is the body I saw when I was, you know, my son's age. And I never thought anything bad of her. You know, oh, she was just yeah. a mom. And yeah. it's the same exact body. And my daughter's eight and she has the same body structure. And I know she's going to look this way when she's 42. And it just, it was such a great moment of relief of just like, it's fine. It's just fine. You yeah. know? And of course I still have moments where my pants don't fit very good and it's just uncomfortable. And but it's jarring because it's different. It's jarring. Yeah. To see myself, but and of course I still, you know, in the summer I go to the pool and there's like the CrossFit moms there and they're two pieces. And I'm like, I have a really cute few one pieces though. And I'm just like, meh, you know, like I'm eating my Pringles and I really don't care anymore. Yeah. So it's a season, you know, and I, I've been waiting for this. 
I'm 42 now and I'm like, oh, I think this is it. I think that this is what all the women in their 40s and 50s talk about, like where they're like, I just don't even care anymore. Yeah. Um, it's it's still kind of a work in progress, but it's it feels really good. Mm. Yeah. Mm, I love that. Okay, greatest lesson on social media, your phone in general, technology. How do you handle all of that? We talked about comparison. Um, yeah, I just, I take breaks from it. Like right now I'm in a season where I have to be on it a lot. And I know that, you know, shortly I'm going to take a break from it and the world does not end. Like no one will probably even notice that I'm gone for two or three weeks. <laughs> so I think that... Um, also, I just want to circle back to what we were talking about earlier, that, you know, we are more connected but disconnected. You know, when, when stuff falls apart in your life, it's not your Twitter followers who are going to come. It's yeah. those, like, two or three really close people that you have you have intentionally nurtured friendships with. Yeah. Those people. And those are some, some hard lessons sometimes around trust. Yeah. And- I read the best article about social media today. My best friend sent me. I'll have to send it to you. And this girl who's about my age was talking about, I think the title of the article, I think I might even have it pulled up here, was how to use social media without losing your goddamn mind. Yeah. And she talks about how she put a post out there, kind of a cry for help. Yeah. And wanting people to check in, that she was depressed or sad or whatever. And instead of getting nice text messages from people like she kind of subconsciously even unconsciously thought she would she's got a bunch of likes like what does that mean for a post that's a cry for help so just that really illustrated what you're saying it's like it's fake it's all not real you know we get a hit of it but it's not real yeah I mean it is it is totally different to be in person with someone telling them your stuff and have them sit with you in that pain and then they can't fix it it's just it's just bearing witness to that that is that is an experience that is true connection that's being seen that is being seen and heard Mm -hmm. yeah yeah okay so speaking of womanhood we talk about feminism and being a woman in the world how what is your greatest lesson on that how do you handle that as someone who is an entrepreneur and a busy woman who Mm -hmm is seen quite a bit. What are, what are your thoughts on that? I think we have a different, um, uphill battle. You know, we're not exactly applauded for being the type of person who owns our accomplishments. And, you know, we, we do, we say things like humble brag or shameless plug. It's like, God, (laughs) men don't say that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so I think that we need to band together and applaud each other. And, you know, women who are claiming, you know, I still, I still hear that voice even now as I'm in this book promotion, you know, it's like, oh my God, people are going to get so sick of hearing about this. And I just have to keep going with that voice of this is important. And this is not just about this book and about me. This is about setting an example for other women. that They can do the same. They can, you know, be proud of their accomplishments and setting a precedent for my children, you know, especially my daughter who's going to come up against the same stuff, hopefully not, but just that as women, it's okay to celebrate your accomplishments because the bottom line. Yeah. Yes. I love that. What is your greatest method of handling or preventing stress in your life when it comes up? Um, knowing that I'm in it before I let it completely swallow me whole. 
and also being responsible for my behavior because there's been many a times where I've had to circle back with my husband and say, um, you know, I, that I was like passive aggressive or just, just kind of like nasty at him. And I'll just very quickly like turn around and say, I'm so sorry. That was not nice. It's because I'm really stressed out. Like he bought, (laughs) this happened like a month ago. He's a carpenter and he like builds amazing things. And he wanted to do this project for our dining room table. And he went and bought a piece of wood for, I mean, it's just a piece of wood, Katie. And it was like a hundred dollars. And I was like, (laughs) I was folding laundry and I was like, you spent a hundred dollars on wood (laughs) on a piece of wood. And he's like, yeah, but, you know, and I was like... It's really good one. And then he was, like, telling me his... He was all excited. He's, like, telling me his idea and, like, how he was going to do it on our dining room table. And I was like, I need you to stop for a second because I'm still trying to wrap my head around the fact that you just spent $100 on a piece of wood. And he was like, you know, I'll leave you alone. <laughs> and so we left and then I had to come back later and, and say, I really want to hear about your project mm-hmm. because um, I'm sorry that I was... I, I, said, I, I said I'm stressed out about work and when I'm stressed out about work I stress out about money and that was totally unnecessary it just and that's an element of control like I wanted to I feel like I have control if I know where every dime is going and it's not going on wood yeah (laughs) so that's just an example of how I had to catch myself that's really helpful because I think I heard you talk about another thing recently on, a, on another podcast where you had a moment like that with your husband where you, you know, had something where you were reactive or you weren't happy with the way you reacted and you didn't realize it in the moment, but you did realize it eventually mm-hmm. and you were able to go back. I think that speaks to the strength of the relationship and the strength of him that he's able to understand that and understand yeah. you because I know with my boyfriend, we have really different personalities with that and I sometimes get really frustrated because he's not reactive and mm-hmm. he says what he means in the moment and he doesn't ever have that like I freak out all the time and then I realize it 10 seconds later and I'm like oh my god I'm so sorry that was so not a big deal yeah. I don't know why I did that and then, then I'm just embarrassed then I'm yeah. just embarrassed that that happened but I guess it's I guess it's just being seen yeah I mean it's still embarrassing for me too and it's just it's like just that's humility you know and it's just one of the greatest things was like the very first time he and I were arguing and I stopped halfway through and stopped myself and said, you know what, this isn't, a, this is about me and this is my stuff and I'm sorry. The look on his face, like I wish I would have had a camera to, to catch the look on his face because he was like, what just happened? Like he was having a Twin Peaks experience or something because he was like, this is so weird. Yeah. Like am I getting punked? <laughs> so, um. That was funny. It's crazy because it's hard for me to do that because even though when I know it's my stuff, I don't want to say that because then I have to go deal with it by myself. Mm -hmm. And if it can be our stuff, we can deal with it together and I don't have to go and sit with it on my own and figure it out on my own. So I think that's That's the the sign of a mature relationship though, when you are able, and you're also like setting an example, like a a model that they can do the same thing too. Or you could even gently say like, is this your stuff or is this really about me? Um, that's tough to do too, calling somebody out on their stuff. But, uh, it's been, I always feel, cause that's that again, that's honoring my values. Like I want to be in integrity and, and authentic and, and just really honest. And I can't, I'm not honoring that when, cause it's the worst when you're in an argument with somebody and you realize that 
you're overreacting or that you're wrong, but you keep arguing anyway. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you're like, I can't back down. I'm too far in. Yeah. <laughs> I don't do that anymore. Yeah. And it feels really good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this has been really great. Okay. Favorite part of your life right now? Um, gosh. Another thing that I should say is like, <laughs> being on tour it's so great <laughs> I love getting time to write poetry like just by myself in my I office with this. my dog yeah when like when inspiration strikes me when I hear something like I'll hear a song lyric or something and I'm like oh my god and it just like tumbles out yeah. and it's just like I feel like it's not even me that's writing like I've written some pieces before where I go back and read them and I'm like I don't ever remember writing that yeah and that's what I love Mm. I wish I had more time to do that. Well, I know you love Brene Brown, mm-hmm. and my favorite quote from her, I heard her say like on a podcast years ago, but she says, unused creativity is not benign. Mm-hmm. Is yeah. that a good line? Yeah. I totally agree with that. Yeah, it will. Yeah. Yeah. It's important. Yeah. I totally agree. Isn't that a good one? It's powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you'd love that. Okay. What is one piece of wisdom that someone has shared with you or that you've read that has had the biggest impact on you or has it one that recently has been helpful to you? I think probably when I was about to get sober in 2011, it was, it said old Chinese proverb, so I don't actually know who said, who said it, but it was, if you keep going in the direction that you're headed, you're likely to end up where you're going or something. And I'm totally misquoting it, but, um, it's that to me said, if you keep going down this path that you know is wrong for you, you're going to end up like, it's going to be worse. So to me, that just spoke to listening to your intuition and, you know, whether you're in a bad relationship, whether you're in addiction, in an addiction that, you know, you need help for, or whether you're in a a terrible job situation where even like you hate where you live or something like that. Like it's, we keep, I think when we're in those situations, we keep hoping that the problem will be solved another way, Mm -hmm. but the real problem needs to be solved by us actually changing and taking action Again, those are some hard lessons yeah. <laughs> to actually do it. It leads back to everything we've been talking about today, which is about not just consuming the self-help, but taking the action and doing it. Actually doing it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, because you can change so many things in your life easily. You know, you yeah. can change your hair, you can change your address, you can change your, you know, the money in your bank account, but actually changing your life and changing your mind and changing your perspective, that's the biggest work you'll ever do. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I like to leave a little bit of time at the end before I ask the final question to recommend things. So just say kind of the first thing that comes to your mind. Person, place, media, city, book, TV show, idea, any things that have been influential to you or that you're liking right now or watching right now or listening to right now. I'm reading finally after like 5,000 people recommended it to me, The Women Who Run With Wolves. Mm. I haven't read it either. Um, it's it it's it. hard to get into. It reads a little bit like a dissertation just because it's so rich and like so thoughtful. And But it's it's stories about, it's like almost like folk tales mm-hmm. and how they have to do with the wild woman and all of us. Cool. It's really good. And um, I just, oh gosh, if it were earlier in the day, I'd have like more brain cells firing and yeah. I'd be able to think of something <laughs> it's great. Okay. If you think of something you really want in here, let me know. I'll put it in the show notes. Then you put it in the show notes. Okay, sounds good. But yeah, that book alone 
get it. Cool. Mm. Any movies, music that you want to say personally? Oh my gosh, I love the band Dorothy right now. It's a rock band. Okay. And um, she's just, she's stunning as it is. And it's just, it's good old fashioned rock and roll. And her voice is so incredibly soulful. It's like a little bit Janis Joplin, a little bit um, Florence and the Machine. And she's just amazing. Cool. Mm -hmm. I love that. I remember like a really long time ago, we bonded over our love for Stevie Nicks. Oh my gosh. Her and Florence from Florence and the Machine. Like Florence's songs, like the song Delilah, you can't. Like my kids like know all the lyrics because I like (laughs) bump it in the car. She's just from another time and place. Her and Stevie Nicks. Yes. Yeah. Love that. Okay. What is one thing that you wish someone would ask you that you don't get to talk about often that you want to talk about more? Anything? Oh my God, I, think, I feel like I talk about everything. I think grief, but I, 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 we talk about that a lot, you know, especially because my dad died. Yeah. Um, and how I think that we as a culture don't talk about it enough. We yeah. don't have space for it. We're afraid of it. I know I was for a long time. I was like, I don't want to touch that with a 10 foot pole. Yeah. And um, so that's been really great conversations I've had with people who've also lost parents. Um, and some really great friendships have been forged through mm. through that kind of loss. Mm. Yeah, another really important topic. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, we did it. The name of this podcast is Let It Out. So mm-hmm. do you feel like I rang you dry for all of your wisdom? <laughs> Anything else you want to say while we're together in New York about the book or about anything? Um, no, well, enjoy your free book club. It starts January oh, cool. 22nd for anybody that orders from now until then. Wonderful. And I'm sure you can pop a link in the show notes for that. And because I just feel like, again, I don't want people just to read the book or buy it and not read it. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to take people through it chapter by chapter with my guidance. And no, I think I just love the work that you're doing in the world. And you ask such great questions. And it's obvious to me that you genuinely care about the answers and you're not just checking off the boxes. Because yeah. trust me, everybody, I have been on a lot of podcasts and I can <laughs> tell when the people actually care about what's being said yeah. and whether they're just recording just to record. And you do care. So I think this is a lot about your listeners too. Thanks. And likewise for you for doing this in person and coming. And I've interviewed people where I can hear typing in the background. Oh my gosh. Yeah. No. Yeah. It literally happened once where I had to be like, excuse me, I can hear you typing. And they were like, oh yeah, sorry. I was right. Like, no. I mean, I was interviewing two people at the same time. <laughs> so oh. I, I think one was talking, but still. Still. Put yourself on mute if you're going to be typing. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you. All right. That was my episode with Andrea Owen. I hope you guys liked it. Don't forget to check out Jess Mernan's course, Know Your Endo. Just check out the site. See what you think. It's beautiful. At least look at it. If you want to do that, go to katiedalebutt.com. That's my name. Slash your endo. Y-O-U-R. E-N-D-O. And we have show notes, you guys. So just click in the app you're listening to. You can also leave a review in the app you're listening to. Just saying. And share this with a friend. I would love to see you sharing it. I want more people listening to the podcast so I can keep doing it. Thank you so much for you for listening. I am so grateful. I say this every week, but doing this podcast is one of my favorite things I've ever done in my life. It gives me so much, and I'm really grateful for all the people who listen, who tell me they're listening, who I get to meet in person. I hope to see some of you guys in LA, definitely doing more events in New York and live podcasts coming up, so make sure in the secret Facebook group for that. And 
I just want to thank Care Of once again for helping this podcast happen. I love Care Of. I take their vitamins and supplements. They're great. You probably have goals to feel better and feel more energized, and Care Of can help you to do that. Even if you're eating really great fresh produce and fruits and vegetables, you might not be getting all the nutrients that your body needs, and vitamins can help fill the important gaps that your body might be missing from your diet or give you an extra boost of energy where you need it. All you do with Care Of is you take a fun quiz online that asks you questions about your diet, your health goals, your lifestyle, your sleep, your choices, and from there, it curates a personalized vitamin pack just for you in minutes with all these recommendations that are based on clinical research with traditional medicine and input from doctors and nutritionists. The best part is that you get this information, you know exactly what to take, and from there, there's a subscription box that includes your month's supply of individually wrapped packets with all of your personal daily mix of vitamins and supplements for easy, on-the-go grabbing. It's great for, you know, travel, putting it in your bag if you're going to be out all day. They even offer vegan and vegetarian supplement options. It's like having a one-on-one nutritionist with you every time you leave the house. It's great. I love them so much. I genuinely take them. I think that they're great. Go to takecareof.com right now to get your personalized recommendation and make sure you use the code Katie. That's my name, K-A-T-I-E, at checkout for 50% off your first order or two weeks free your first month. That's 50% off your order or two weeks free your first month by using the code Katie. This episode is also brought to you in part by Splendid Spoon. I love Splendid Spoon. In fact, I eat Splendid Spoon all the time and I'm probably going to eat some right after this. They are this amazing company. My friend Nicole is the founder. She did the podcast a couple weeks ago and I really love them. If you want to get $20 off your first order, go to splendid.to slash let it out 20. That's splendid.to slash let it out 20. Splendid Spoon is this beautiful wellness brand built on the idea that a few small changes can make a big impact on your health. You can also get weekly meditations and interactive content from the Splendid Spoon community. They're great. I love everyone who works for this company that I've met and I've met a lot of them. And you can customize your menu week to week with over 40 plant-based meals to choose from. Each of the plans are totally customizable to fit your dietary and lifestyle needs, and they can be shipped anywhere in the USA. You guys, that's anywhere in the USA, not just New York. Splendid.to slash let it out 20 to give you $20 off your plan. All right, that's it. We did it. Those are all the sponsors. We did the episode. Here we are. All right, you guys. Man, that was, that was a mouthful, but I love you. If you're still listening right now, tweet me the guitar emoji because you know what? That has to do with nothing, but I'm staring at GarageBand right now and it's the first thing that I saw and I'm really tired and I need to go eat some Splendid Spoon. So I'll talk to you guys later. Don't forget to take your vitamins and I'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.